Lord is good, isn't he, everybody? Um, let me just tell you, today we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit. You know, by the way, happy birthday. It's the birthday of the church, everybody. Come on, it's Pentecost Sunday. Happy birthday. That's when the church was born. Holy Spirit came rushing in. The church came alive. Happy birthday. I know you're going, where's my present? Well, the gift is the Holy Spirit. The gift is the Holy Spirit. The gift is not tongues. The gift is not signed in wonders. The gift is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your gift. Best gift I've ever received outside of salvation through Jesus. Amen. So we've been in this series called One Another. And those of you at home, uh, get ready to be blessed in this series as well. Because today, I'm going to talk a little bit about what, what is Pentecost? Uh, I know Pentecost is 50, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and all that. And, uh, but what, what is it for you as a believer? What's the context in the one another to walk like Jesus? Does the Holy Spirit play? And so I'm going to cover that today. How many have enjoyed the one another series? Praise God. The rest of you haven't enjoyed it. We got a new one coming. Amen. But I want you to turn with me the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. This has been our overarching scripture uh, for the narrow path. Excuse me, not one another, but uh, the narrow path. I, I mean what I know. All these series start running together, man. One another was good, though, wasn't it? I tell you, it was really good. It was really good. I might say so myself. I did preach most of it. Amen. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13, Jesus said these words. You can enter God's kingdom only through. Now, I want you to hear this. For those of you that are on the on-ramp for the first time, you're listening for the first time, you say Christians are narrow-minded. Well, Jesus said it's a very narrow path. So don't take it up with me. Don't send me a letter. You really ought to talk to Jesus about it. Really, that's really what you need to talk to about it. Just get alone with him and talk to him. Let, just keep on talking. Let the conversation with you and Jesus keep on happening. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Lots of on-ramps. No rules. Take as much baggage you want to take with you. Anything goes. Anything goes. Anything. And its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life, who wants life? I want life. The gateway to life. You know what you're experiencing this morning is life. The gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult. Only a few ever find it. These are the words of Jesus Christ. You, you, you got to be different in this culture on the narrow path. Anybody, anybody. In fact, if you go against the broad way, many times you'll just be like Jesus. You'll be ridiculed. You'll be mocked. You'll be called a hater. They did it up to the time Jesus was crucified. They were still doing it. They hated him. He says, they will hate you. But keep walking the narrow path. You keep walking that. But how many know it is a challenge to walk the narrow path? You've got to have a lot of courage to walk the narrow path. Very different. In fact, I want you to go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. There were these 
men and women who gave their life to Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul is addressing him, and they are having to learn how to get off the on-ramp, the off-ramp of the Broadway, and they've got an off-ramp to go on the narrow path, and they're trying to live this thing. I mean, they've come out of some pretty horrific pagan stuff that'll make what's happening in the United States of America, it'll make most of them blush today, what they were going through, because it was wheels off. But these people come to Jesus. And look what he tells these new followers of Jesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Let's start there. And we're going we're gonna to walk through this a little bit. He said, therefore, be careful how you walk. You're on a narrow path. Be careful how you walk. Even when you're walking the narrow path, you got to be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise. Making most of your time because the days are evil. So then, don't be foolish. Don't be a fool. Don't call anybody a fool. Just don't be foolish. My mama taught me to never call anybody a fool. But she taught me how to recognize one when I see one. But he said, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Some of you go, I need the will of God. I need the will of God. Oh, I wish God would give me the will of God. He says, know what the will of God is. And he says, I'm getting ready to tell you, here's the will of God. You want to stay on the narrow path. You really want to make, you want to live for Jesus. You, when you stumble on the narrow path, how to keep on walking that out. He says, you really want to know what the will of God is? Here's verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Or debauchery leads to debauchery, some translations say. But, but, be filled with the Spirit. The Apostle Paul is saying, if you're going to walk this narrow path, if you've come out of the bondage, if you've gotten off the broad road and you're trying to walk this narrow path, he said, there's only one way you can do it, is you got to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let me just say this for a moment. There is an experience of the power that God wants all Christians to have subsequent to salvation, giving your life to Jesus Christ. There is a gift that he wants to give you after you get saved. It is the baptism in the power of of the Holy Spirit. And it's there. So I'm going to talk to you. Some of you go, yeah, but you know, I'm not so sure about this. And just, just stick with me for a minute, okay? Stick with me for a minute because I got some new wine that'll really give you a, a buzz that'll last for eternity. Amen. So here they were. Let me just take you to a place. In Acts 1-8, Jesus Christ has already died. He's risen from the dead. He's going to ascend with the Father, but he's going to spend some days here on the earth in his resurrected body. But before he departs back to the right hand of the Father, Father Acts 1.8, he gives them instructions. And here's what he says. He says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. He says, I'm going to give you the power to overcome. In fact, the word witness there is mart literally means martyr. He said, I'm going to give you power to overcome any persecution, anything that when you walk this difficult path, there is a power that's going to keep you in order to show the witness of Jesus Christ. Power. Everybody say power. 
That word power there, if you look in the Greek, it's really the word dunamis. Many of you may know this. You're students of the word. But if you don't ever know this, it leads dunamis. It's where you actually get the word dynamite. It literally means mighty power. It means mighty ability through God. Mighty power of God. The mighty. He says you will receive mighty power from God. The abilities to do things you could normally do in your normal state. He says the Holy Spirit, wait for it. So these followers were already saved, watch this, by the blood of Jesus, but they needed more. They wanted, how many of you believers just go, man, I know there's more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. So in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1-4, he told them to wait, to wait for the promise of the Father. He said, which you taught, I taught you about. He said, I've been telling you about this, that there's something coming. There's something coming to you. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit that comes with it. And here they were waiting, Acts 2, 1, 4. So let's go there. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Well, we're all sitting, I think, We'll qualify tonight. Those of you, you're at home, you're sitting, you qualify, okay? Watch this. He says, as they, and there appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. This is for everybody. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's the first physical thing that happened to them, the first physical thing that had occurred to them. They began and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was given them the utterance. Those men and women, when they went up into that upper room, they thought Jesus is gone, but they listened to Jesus, and they, he told them, wait for this gift that I'm going to send you. It is the Holy Spirit of God. I'm sending it to you. And guess what happened? When they came up out of that upper room, how many of you read the rest of the story? What happened? These believers, something dramatic, a mighty ability, a mighty power, came upon them. Just a moment ago, their leader was crucified. People thought, oh, this thing is over. It's done. But when they came out of the upper room, they started declaring and witnessing about who Jesus Christ was. And on that day, 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that signs and wonders started happening among the believers in the marketplace. Everywhere they went, there started being miracles, signs, and, and there was a sense of awe and another time says 5,000 people got saved. How many would love it if 3,000 people would come to Jesus Christ today at Grand Rapids First? I'd love it. That was just 120 people in an upper room filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a sense of all signs and wonders. And I'm telling you something. It turned the world upside down. It is still turning the world upside down today. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is alive and well on the planet Earth. And I'm going to tell you. I've watched Satan fight in the church more. I've seen more theological fights over the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives today. And I'm going to tell you something. If I was Satan, I'd fight it too. I'm not Satan, but if I was Satan, I'd be fighting this thing. I'd tell you it's not for today. I'd fight it. I would fight it. I'd tell you, no, 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 man, that's, that's for a long time ago. You don't need that now. I would tell you that. Because when you see the outcome, what happened to ordinary people, these were ordinary people hungry for everything Jesus told them they could have. 
I'm going to tell you, I'd fight you on it too. I'd do everything to keep you from it. I'd tell you it's for yesterday. It's not for today. I would tell you it's not for, it's not for the church today. It died with you. I would tell you the same thing now. I tell you, the people who have it, have you noticed they're always weird? Do you know why some pastors really don't like when to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues? You know why that? Because they've always connected it with something weird. So they think the Holy Spirit's weird. No, those people were weird. Well, I saw this one lady, this one guy, man, he's full of Holy Spirit. He just all this weird stuff, weird. No, the Holy Spirit, there, there's... Sometimes there's mystical things that happen I don't understand. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit isn't weird. That person was probably weird. They were weird before Jesus came into their life, and they were still weird after Jesus came into their life. They were... And what the enemy does is he starts putting, oh, those people are weird. This is weird, man. There's weirdos. No, no. Listen, it is true. One out of three, one out of three people, it's true. One out of three people is, is weird. So look to your right. Come on, up there. Come on, look to your right. Do it at home. Look to the right. I know it's your dad. Look to the right. Now, now, look to the other side. Look to the person. The question, do any of those people look weird? If they don't, tag, you're it. You're the weirdo. Let me just tell you, Satan does this. I know there's been weird things in people that have spoken in tongues and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I get it. I understand that. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit is not weird. There are weird people, but the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. We'll talk about that in just a, bit, in a moment. And Paul looks at these Christians who are walking through all this stuff, and he tells them, you have come to Jesus Christ since you've been saved, have you received that gift of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit as a Jesus Christ follower? He tells him, in fact, in Ephesians 5.8, he tells him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about it in just a moment. But you look through the scripture, look at it. In Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, just look at it. Look what he does. He first of all tells, these people are already saved, folks. They were already born again. When chapter 5, he gives this command, but Look at chapter, chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. He already tells them they're blessed with every spiritual blessing. He tells them they were chosen before the foundation of the earth. So we know they're believers. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, go look at it. He says they were already sealed in the Holy Spirit when they were saved, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. He says God has already set these believers up in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, they're already saved by the blood of Jesus. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, he says they were already, they were already saved by the grace of God. You see it, it's through there. Now watch this. When he writes this, this is not just like a few days after what happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. He talks to these Ephesians believers, if you'll go over to Acts chapter 19. Now remember, the book of Acts is over several decades of the church. It's not a three-week period. It's decades. This is 10 years after the first Jesus followers of 120, 10 years after that, they were in that upper room and they experienced the dynamic and filling power of the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
10 years later, and Paul now asks these Ephesians, 10 years after the fact, he looks at him in Acts 19 and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He's already told them all they are in Jesus Christ. Now watch this. He asked them, no, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that there are some of you that have been coming to Grand Rapids first. There are some of you watching online and you said, man, I want to check this church out. I keep hearing about what's going on, the Spirit of God there. I'm a little antsy. I heard there are some weird people there. They're weird. We're not. We're fine. But some of you are going, I've never heard anybody tell me that there is something Jesus wants to give me a gift of the power of the filling of the Holy Spirit to give me mighty ability to be like Jesus. I've never heard of this. In fact, I want to just tell all of you, if you haven't been to the small groups on Wednesday, I'm telling you, they are amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. Your kids have a blast. I mean, your kids will have a blast with the young people and, and the children. They were just going crazy having fun. But we have one of our classes is on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, small group. It's small group discussion. There's a little bit of teaching. There's small group discussion on what is the personal work of the Holy Spirit. So just get on your app while you're taking notes here and just sign up for the small groups. And that's one of them you can sign up for. But you'll go through a study with them in small group discussion, the work of the Holy Spirit. He tells them they need this. Now, why do these Ephesians and why do you need it today? Why do you need it? Here's the first reason. It's because it's keeps, it keeps you delivered from sin. There's deliverance from sin. The spirit of Jesus Christ will keep you from sinning. Now, Christians then and now face the daily culture of sin. And these people in Ephesus were deep in it. They just became believers and they were facing this. They were facing this. The temptation to keep going back to these old sins kept coming to these believers. They were saved, but the temptation kept coming back. And he says, if you want to walk in freedom as a believer, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled. Now, why would he say these to these believers? Let's look at Ephesians 5.8. Look what he says. He says, for you were formerly darkness. He said, some of y'all were doing this stuff before you came to Jesus. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk. Here's the journey, the narrow path. Walk as children of light. That means that believers, I'm telling you, don't think it's sin when you came out of a certain proclivity toward a sin and now that temptation or that thought or that image keeps coming back to you. You, you, you might have walked out of a you might have walked out of homosexuality or alcoholism or drug addiction or a habit in your life and now that you've come to Jesus man these things these images keep coming back to you and now you're just putting condemnation no 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 listen to me don't let the devil beat you like that that's his trick he's telling these same Ephesians you guys have been in some deep dark stuff so the way to keep and get centered back is keep walking in light. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Y'all hanging with me here? Because Ephesus was a tough town to be in. Uh, Ephesus would be like a, a Detroit or a San Francisco in America. It was the fourth largest city. So it was, it, was, it was a kind of place where everybody would just come. Fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. And it became the center for different cults and ancient nature religions. It just became this hodgepodge of it. 
And satanic worship was in Ephesus. It was there. People would worship the goddess Diana, and she was a fertility god. And the emphasis was on immorality and perversion. So, and so it was just a lifestyle. You're raised as a kid in it. So it's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. And, and uh, uh, then Dionysus was another center of the cult there. And it was the god of wine. And its emphasis was on uh, uh, drunkenness and ecstasy. You, you got to be happy all the time. You got to be joyful. Your happiness, your joy. It's all it was. So it got so perverse that whenever people gave themselves over to the god of Dionysus, Whenever they gave themselves, they really believed they were controlled by the demon behind the idol. They felt they were given over to that spirit. And it was really a place where people could just let go. Just let go of any kind of lust, any kind of appetite of the flesh without any restraint. And they were, it was okay to do. It was the broad road. And Paul's answer to these believers that were surrounded by this cesspool of temptation coming out of stuff and now being trying to be drawn back into it and trying to live, he said the only way you can survive that culture is don't be drunk and go back to the feeling that you used to have the vibe with Dionysus and the sexual ecstasy that you felt of the fertility god Diana. He said instead... You need to be so drunk and intoxicated with the power of the Holy Spirit Amen. to walk this victory. You must tap into the Holy Spirit power. How many of you still with me on this? Now, I'm just going to tell you, we live in a culture where anything goes, especially with the advent of the internet, because now you can be so secretive with your mobile device, your own husband, your own wife doesn't even know. Your parents don't even know. So anything can go in our digital culture. I will tell you this. Listen closely to me. Those of you watching them, listen closely to me. The same demonic force behind those idols then are the same demonic forces that are in our nation, our state, our city, your lovely bedroom community. That same spirit is alive and well coming after people that don't know Jesus and those who are following Jesus. And the only way that you're going to overcome in this world, the only way you're going to stay on the narrow path, is you need to have the infilling power of the Holy Spirit to deal with the stuff you're dealing with every day. He is a well that will never run dry. Come on, you say, oh, Pastor Sam, I've heard some people say that you got to you know, to go to heaven, you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. Listen, do you need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues to go to heaven? No, you do not. Let me just clear that up. No, you do not. How many know the blood of Jesus is the access to the kingdom of God? It is. Okay, no, you don't have to have the baptism and the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit or the gift of tongues to go to heaven. No, but I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't go to Walmart without the Holy Spirit. Have you, have you been to Walmart on a Friday night after midnight? Have you been there lately? Okay. Something's motivating you to go shopping in your flannel pajamas. I mean, something's different influencing you. I'm just going to tell you something. I 
would not want to make a business decision. I wouldn't want to lead this church. I wouldn't want to minister to Brenda, to my son, to my grandchildren. I wouldn't want to do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I have to apologize to the Holy Spirit when I have pushed him out because I felt that in my own power, Sam can make the decision. He's very calculating. He can put these things together. He can analyze and make a decision. No, I tell you, even if in my own normal mind I can do it, I say, Holy Spirit, you lead me. You showed me. You guide me. Met my step on this narrow path as difficult as keep on telling me. I ask you, please fill me, Holy Spirit, to walk in this place. Why? Because the only way to stay free is through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say amen? Give God praise. Amen. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. Because to be filled with the Holy Spirit is a directive from the Scripture. When we as Jesus followers don't pursue and say, God, I want everything you have for me, we are going against the directive of the Scripture. In fact, go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And he says, And don't get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. When he says the word be filled, when you see the word be filled in the Greek, that word be filled is a command. It's not a suggestion. He's not requesting. He's saying the same thing Jesus said in Acts 1-4. He says, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait. Be filled with the Spirit. It was the same imperative. It's the imperative, it's the imperative uh, mood here in the Greek where it is a command. It's not a suggestion. He's saying, be filled. I'm telling you, be filled. Hunger for the power of the Holy Spirit. Hunger for it. It's a command. And he says to these people, he says, look, you've come out of this, so don't get drunk with wine, which leads to dissipation, leads to debauchery, but instead, be filled with the Spirit now. Stop that. Do this. Be filled. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Would it be wrong for Pastor Sam to come to this pulpit this morning drunk? Please say yes. Please. Because if you don't even know that one, we got to start all over, okay? Would it be wrong for me to come into this pulpit buzzed and high? Yes. Yes. Here's what Paul is saying. Just as wrong as it would be for Sam Rifko or for you to walk in here high or buzzed from wine or anything else, would it be wrong? Yes. The answer is yes. He said it is equally wrong for Sam Rifko to come into this pulpit and not be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He is wrong to depend on his talent or his ability or his ability to exegete a scripture. He said it is wrong for him to rely on his studies. He must totally depend on the power of the Holy Spirit at the end of the day. So here's what he's saying. Is it wrong for you to try to raise your kids just with your own intellect and not lean on the Holy Spirit to raise your child? He says, yes, it is equally wrong to not raise your kids being led by the Holy Spirit. Don't go to work tomorrow with we'll say, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. Holy Spirit, possess me, take part of everything. Take part of everything. He says, be filled. So that word in the Greek literally was an imperative, be filled every day, be filled. And then look at this, that word be filled should be continual. 
It's not just a command, it should be continual. It's in the present tense. In the Greek, it was in the present tense, and it was actually a continuous action. So here's what some of us do. We go to one good concert, or we go to a, a, one big conference, Bible conference, and we say, oh, yeah, it was glorious. I was praising the Lord. I even began to pray in the language of the Holy Spirit, the unknown tongue, and I just communed. It was beautiful. But you stopped. This is, in the, this is in the present tense. It literally meant be being filled. He said, keep be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't ever stop. You can't let up on this narrow path. It, it was described to, like you see these boats out on the lake, and boy, they pop their sails up, and they just go. He says, that's the same way. You've got to keep letting the wind, if you will, of the Holy Spirit continually move you, move you, get out of the harbor, pop up the cell, and keep moving to the next place God has you, growing in the Lord. Let the I think sometimes you and I have to be really careful about this, because we get Sunday, and then we don't do anything to communicate with the Holy Spirit or get in relationship with him. I remember one time when Nathan was getting ready to get his driver's license, his grandpa thought he was doing me a big favor by giving him uh, his 1988 Dodge Dakota pickup. He thought this was a real blessing to the family. Okay, when it has to be put on a trailer and towed here from Missouri, that means it's not a blessing. That means the engine doesn't run. This is no lie. When I got it, he had eaten a cinnamon roll in it, and it petrified on the dash. No lie. Been there years. It was, it needed a healing, everybody. I'm telling you, it needed a healing. Earl Scheib turned it down. No, no, we don't want it. We don't want this car. Mako didn't want it. It was horrible. It was no engine didn't run, everything. So we stripped it down, everything, upholstery, engine, brake system, everything. And it was, it was a beautiful, stunning, restored pickup. It's beautiful. I loved it. I think Jim Artem helped, helped his body shop paint it. It was beautiful, just stunning. It was gorgeous. And I'm driving around so proud. I'm just driving around. I'm going, man, this thing is getting great gas mileage. Man, I got this overall, man. It was like, I mean, it was like almost a week and a half. I didn't even feel that thing. I'm sitting, I'm looking, man, tank is full. It's great, man. I'm impressing everybody. And I'm driving here through the circle drive here. We were having some kind of a thing here on a Saturday. And just ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk. And it looked beautiful but it wasn't going anywhere. I thought, oh man, we just got this car fixed. We went through the whole systems, all the, bra all the fuel systems, everything. Da, 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 da. We did it all. I towed into the, to the uh, auto repair place and they said, man, you know, these things require gas. I said, but it says it's full. They said, oh no, it's bone dry, man. It's bone dry. Bone dry? And I was running the whole thing on empty because the gauge was broke, but it said it was full. The car looked good, but it wasn't going anywhere. And I'm going to tell you sometimes as a Jesus follower, we can get so good at this stuff that we can actually be running on empty 
and everybody says, wow, what a beautiful car. You have been restored by Jesus. Boy, you look right. You got your hair cut. Boy, you raise your hand in church. And I think I saw you with the Bible, a real one, the tree version, not the e-version. You really have a Bible. Man, I can't believe it. You and your kids go to church. Wow, that's so great. But I'm going to tell you something, friends. We got to watch the facades because what can happen is we can get so good at this Jesus stuff and this Christian stuff that all of a sudden the tank can be so empty and now you know how you know? It's your start bogging down and clunking down when bitterness hits you and someone offends you. When suffering comes to your life, your life implodes and you say, if that's God, then I don't want anything to do with God. If that's the way Christians are, I don't want to do anything with Christians. That Christian was a business person, took my money. I'm not trusting Christians again. I can't ever trust a preacher. See that one documentary on that one preacher? Man, I'll never trust a preacher again. Just see what his life was and we just shut down and the reason why is, is we look pretty restored by Jesus, but inside the tank, there's no being filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, if you're going to survive this bitterness, if you're going to survive this world, if you're going to survive this temptation, you got to keep being continuously, continuously praying in the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, everybody. Be filled. Oh, it's a command. Let it be continuous in your life. Don't ever let up. Pray in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Well, who's this for, Pastor? Well, I'm coming in for a landing here in just a minute. It's dispensed to the saved. It's for anybody that calls Jesus Lord of their life. Being filled with the power, the gift of the Holy Spirit, that powerful gift of the Holy Spirit is available to all Christians. I would almost go back again. I just feel like saying it again. I just feel like saying it again. There's so many of us that have been in this so long, you don't even know you're empty. We go to a Christian church. Maybe your whole neighborhood's Christian. But there's stuff that you know, it's just bogging, breaking down. I gotta say it again. The Holy Spirit wants you to come back to the simplicity of asking Jesus, Jesus, fill me again with the power of your spirit. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you will, you will be filled. Oh. So, being filled is available to all Christians. In fact, in the Greek, this plur it's plural here. This means to be filled, it's, it's plural. It means it's for everybody who wants to follow Jesus. Every pastor, every usher, every greeter, every teenager ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every one of us, every one of us. Now, I want to show you something about this being filled with the Holy Spirit. So just hang with me here for a second on this one. I want you to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 37, because I want to show you that something that is a similar path throughout the New Testament. If you want New Testament power, you should follow New Testament pattern. When you look in Scripture, every theologian will tell you this. It's worth their salt. There are three distinct baptisms in the book of Acts in the New Testament church. Three distinct baptisms, and we see it on the day of Pentecost. All these people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in all these languages. The Holy Spirit's giving them utterance. They're communicating with the Father. They're glorifying God. And Acts 2, 37, verse 39, here's what they say. They say, brothers, what shall we do? This is happening. Look at verse 38. The disciple Peter replied, repent. Everybody say Repent. Get off the on-ramp, off, get off the off-ramp of the broad road and repent. That's baptism into Jesus Christ. That's salvation. He says, and be, watch this, you see this? Repent. Give your life to Jesus Christ. 
There's some of you in this room that have never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying, Jesus died on the cross for you. That's the baptism into Jesus Christ. Is saying, Jesus, be my Lord. I repent. Jesus, save me. Forgive me. And he will the moment you ask. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. All wickedness comes off that moment. You say, Jesus, I repent. I follow you. How many glad he made it so easy for us? So easy. Okay, in fact, I want to just right now, come on. We don't need to have the organ going, playing just as I am. And it's, it's nice to have it, but we don't need mood music right now. We just need to make a choice to follow Jesus. He says, repent. So I'm going to just say the same thing now. Just ask Jesus to come in your life. Repent means to turn and walk the other direction. Right at home, just to turn, walk the other direction. Just ask Jesus, say, Jesus, I need you. I'm tired of living this way. And he says, I'll save you right there. I'll cleanse you, make you brand new. Something you could never do, I already did for you. All you do is ask. How many just like to say, let's let people ask? Ask. So I'll tell you what, just so to make you comfortable, everybody just close your eyes just for a moment, would you? Those of you right there at home, just you can close your eyes. There's, there's, a, there's a pastor there on, on, on the computer there, but you can talk to him in just a minute. But if you're in this room, just like on the day of Pentecost, Jesus loves you so much that he knows that you can't live the life, so he lived it for you. You cannot die the death, so he did it for you, so that you could be totally forgiven, brand new, and eternity is your home. But he says, you have to be the one to say, Lord, I turn. I take the off-ramp from the broad road of sin, and I want to follow the narrow path of Jesus. But Jesus, I need you. You're the one that did it for me. I need your forgiveness in my life. If you want that right now, I'm going to count to three. No one's looking around. Those of you watching online, no one's looking right now. I'm going to just simply count to three, and if you want to do that, I want you to just lift your hand as high as you can get it. Just hold it straight up. If you're ready for that this morning, here we go. Ready? In the name of Jesus, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ or you want to come back to him because you've been on the broad road again, I want you to lift your hand. Here we go. Ready? Holy Spirit, give them power to lift their hand and respond to Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. Just pop it up. That's for me. Thank you. Just leave, just leave them up. It's as simple as this. Just simple, all over the house, right there at home. Go ahead, just raise your hand right there. And a pastor's gonna pray with you. Just a minute. God bless you. God bless you, men, you ladies. God bless y'all. You're some of the bravest people, most courageous people I know right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for doing a work here. You can put your hands down. Now, I want you to open up your eyes because let me tell you, the Bible, Jesus says that when one person gets it and says, Jesus, be my Lord, he says all heaven just goes berserk and just starts shouting. And what's we're going to do right here for you right now? Those of you at home right now, all of heaven is rejoicing, and we do that for you right now. Right now. So if you raise your hand, I want you to just believe this and say this. Just say, say, Jesus. I give you my life. I want all of you. And I receive you today. In Jesus' name. I believe you've forgiven me. I'm following you, Jesus. I receive the power of your love and the power of your blood. I am free through you, Jesus. Satan, take your garbage, take your sin, and take all your guilt and leave me now. I belong to Jesus Christ. 
I'm his. Amen. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we're talking about right there. Come on, and if you've given your life to Jesus, I want you to just text the word forgiven to that number right there. Just do it right now, right where we're doing this. But look, that's the first, you just got baptized into Jesus Christ. That's the first baptism. And then look what he says. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now watch this, and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. What's he talking about there? It was literally that immersion of going into water. Now I want you to follow Jesus in water baptism. You may not understand it all, but I'm telling you, it's when Jesus even went down into the waters of that Jordan River, and he says, you're dying to the old sin, and you're resurrected new in Jesus Christ. That's the second baptism, is water baptism. And most Christians got number one and number two, and they have no problem with it. But look where he goes with number three. He said, for the promise is for you and your children. What promise? What they just saw happen when they got filled with the Spirit. He said, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So how do I receive this gift of the power of the Holy Spirit? How do I release that gift of communicating God in that heavenly language? Some people call it an unknown tongue. How do I, how do I release that? How does that happen? There are three conditions for receiving. And in your app, just write these down. It's Acts 2, 4. Acts chapter 8, verse 15. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. It's the same pattern. Watch this. Number one, they were righteous. That means they gave their life to Jesus, saved by grace, just like some of y'all did. Number two, they were ready. They wanted everything Jesus said. The 120, 500 heard, but only 120 went to the upper room. Who are the real hungry here to say, Jesus, I'll go after everything you say? See, some people want it to be holy. Well, I'm just not holy enough, Pastor. I'm just not holy enough. I just, I got this stuff in my life. I'm just not holy enough. Holy is not your issue. Hunger is your, is your issue. You take care of hunger, he'll take care of holy. You can't do holy, only he's holy. You take care of hunger, and if you hunger, thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. Take care of hunger, he'll take care of holy. They were just ready. Jesus, I want everything because I can't do this without you. Here's the third thing. They released the language of the Spirit. They released it. It's Acts 2, 4 says, when that occurred, they began. Even with Paul, after he asked those Ephesians, they started praying and communicating. The first physical sign was praying in that language of the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. And that's where the hang-up comes for most Christians right there. That's where the hang-up comes. They go, that's the part. It's this tongues issue that I have an issue with. It's tongues. Can I just do without it? See, it's real good. Everybody wants to talk about the two baptisms, but they just blow past the third gift that God has. They're cool with the two, not the three, but it's through there, and that's the one most believers are missing, is that ability to be in communion with the Holy Spirit. Wow. You say, well, can't I do without that one? No, it's kind of like your shoes you have on, my shoes. I didn't go into the shoe store and say, I'd like a pair of shoes without the tongues. <laughs> no, I buy the shoes and the tongues come with it. Come on, amen. What, what is it, pastor? What did they do on that day? They had nobody teaching them. Jesus was the only one that taught them. What, 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 what happened here? What did they do? Here's what you do. They gave voice to the Holy Spirit. They gave voice to the Holy Spirit. Well, that's what some believers are afraid of. They say, well, I'm afraid that when I start praying and communicating in the Holy Spirit, that gift of tongues, that I'm so afraid that it's going to be me. 
I'm afraid it's going to be me. Well, who else is it going to be? It's going to be, well, I'm afraid I'll be in the flesh. Yes. I'll take a ball-peen hammer, smash your fingers, hear you scream, and prove to you, you're in the flesh. Let me help you with a couple of myths, and then we're going to pray for people. Some people think, you know, when it comes to the prayer language of the Holy Spirit, they go, you know, Pastor, this gift of communicating with God in the Holy Spirit. They think, you know, I don't sound like somebody else. I hear these other people pray in the Spirit, and they have immediate fluency. Can I tell you, speaking in tongues does not come with immediate fluency for most people. It does for some. But how many know it is a gift from God for every believer, that private communion, not the public? I'm not going to teach about the public use of it, but for the private, it's a gift for everyone, Paul tells us. How many know you always grow in your gift? Just like any other gift, you grow in that gift. Come on, some people, you didn't just become born again, and some of you are teachers, you can teach the word, but you weren't born again, and you just, boom, became a teacher of the word, and you knew how to exegete scripture, you knew all the fundamental truths, you know all these things, you know, you know the four cardinal doctrines, you didn't have all that, you grew in that gift, right? How about with giving? Some of you started out giving a buck, now you're giving 100, 200,